It's very difficult to achieve an undefined goal. Decision-making gets much easier once we know what we're aiming for. But oftentimes, business owners don't have a method to determine exactly what they're trying to build. And they don't really know what they want their company to look like in the future. So how do we take that on? Well, here's how I've taken it on with people I work with. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. For this episode and this example, I could use a number of names and uh, companies I've worked with and people I know. Uh, They think things and say things like, I feel stuck, I'm frustrated, I don't feel like I'm making progress. I don't really know what I want this to look like, so how could I even know if I'm making uh, progress towards a goal I can't even explain or define? I don't even know how to go about figuring out how I should know what this should look like. I don't know how big I want my company to be. Some days I think I want to grow an empire, and other days I wish it was just me, maybe a couple of employees, maybe just me and a spouse. Maybe me and one person to to help out here and there. We feel these feelings of uh, being stuck and frustrated because we can't identify what the goal is. We can't even figure out, what am I trying to do here? Like, what do I want this to look like in 10 years? What do I want this to look in five years or 15 or when I retire or whatever that magic time frame is for you? And so if we can't figure out what the goal is, it's just going to be a slog. And we're going to make emotional decisions based on short-term, sometimes daily even, criteria because we don't have a a long-term goal defined. So what happens is we oscillate. Because one of the the there's a couple major struggles we have in trying to to, uh, prioritize things and make decisions. One is trying to figure out time or money. What's more important to us, time or money? And the other one is freedom and control. And so we oscillate between these two things. We oscillate between, I want to make as much money as I can, but there's only so much time in the day and my spouse is upset. I'm not getting enough time at home. and I'm missing my kid's childhood and I'm missing out activities with the family. And I'm all I do is work and I got all these hobbies I want to do and things like that. And so now I want to work less and, and I want to have more time to do that kind of stuff, which means in the beginning, in the earlier stages of running a business or building a business, we're going to make less money. Well, if we're going to make less money. Then what's the point of doing this? Like why, why bother going through all the stress and anxiety and all those things if there's not a monetary um, reward for us. What's the point of doing all these things if we're not going to get the the monetary perks that come along with it? So we oscillate between time and money. Sometimes we want time. Sometimes we want money. And we just go back and forth. The other one is freedom of control. And this is a big one, especially in the middle stages of building a business. Freedom and control become the the oscillating, the axis which we oscillate between these two things. Some days we're going to say we want tons of control and we and we want to, uh, based on our mood or stress level, or if I'm in a mindset of engaging and developing and improving, 
I want to have control. I want to make this thing great. I want to make sure we're consistent. I want to make sure we routinely and regularly have good results. And, and I want to make sure that we're not um, skipping steps and, and we're always putting you know, the right criteria in place or know the right criteria and putting the right things in place to make sure we're making good decisions. And other times it's like, man, I just need to get a break. I want a three-day weekend or a four-day weekend or I just want a couple hours to not worry about stuff. So then we're trying to maybe escape a little bit or trying to get some time back or, or to share some of that stress burden with some other people on our team. And then we're pursuing a little more freedom, more than we are control. And in those situations, we're, we're making different decisions. So we oscillate between time and money. We make different decisions based upon which one of those is most important to us right now, today, this moment, this week. And then we also do the same thing with control and freedom. So we have, we have these two big competing ideas, time and money and freedom and control, where we're always kind of bouncing around in. And so in the short term, we make emotional decisions based on where we kind of are in those spots. But we're not aiming for anything in the long term. We don't have a long-term goal. We just know we want it bigger, better, more, more efficient, more, more employees, more trucks, more customers, more equipment, more desks, a bigger building. Like just it's just these super generic, vague ideas. More, 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 bigger, 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 that kind of stuff. But we don't have anything specific we're aiming for. Like we couldn't map out what we want this to look like. So we just have a hard time. It's hard when we don't have that longer-term goal well-defined and we're oscillating between these shorter-term emotional drivers. So I think one of the best ways to overcome this is defining that longer-term goal. And I'm going to walk you through a process here that, of what I do with, with people I work with, business owners I work with. This is the process I take them through. You can, of course, modify this however it works best for you. Um, and before we get too far into this, one of the things that's really key for folks to understand is we can change our mind. Like, let's say we're going to pick a, a 10-year target. We're going to say, here's what I want my company to look like in 10 years. Well, you know what? 14 months from now, we could say, you know, I don't want that anymore. I want this instead. And as long as it's in the, the same ballpark, it's in the same realm, it's roughly the same, it's okay. Now, if we go from, I want to build a four-person company to a 45-person company, and then eight months later, we're going to build an eight-person company, and then we're going to go to a 60-person company, that would be a problem. But generally speaking, people kind of know what they want, and they just need to get it defined well enough that they can know when they're making progress. They can see what they want to build, and they can start making decisions which get them to that. So as long as we're not making huge alterations, we can change our mind, right? We also can minimize that oscillation. Like, yeah, we're going to have some of those day-to-day -day things that we're going to change our minds here and there. But overall, we can see what we're aiming for. Now, again, imagine losing, trying to lose weight. I've talked about that a lot in here. Imagine trying to lose weight and not defining like, I want to get down to 180 pounds or I want to get to, to 140 pounds or whatever, whatever the number is. Just saying I'm going to lose weight and I'll know when I get there. Like that, that's just not going to work. We have to, we generally have to have goals that are specific enough for, for us to measure and aim for. The other thing is once we know what we're aiming for, we can educate our team to make decisions in alignment with our vision. So one of the things that I, I ask people um, when they are struggling with their team, not being able to make decisions and they like, I can't trust them. And I wish they, I wish they got it. They don't get it. I'll ask them like, well, what do you think your team was? If I asked your team, what, what you Joe, the owner is trying to build, what would they say? Do they think you're trying to build a big company? Do they think you're just trying to get by and pay the bills because having more employees is just too much hassle or it's too hard to get employees. So we just kind of give it up on that. We're just going to make the most of what we have. Are we going to operate this way for a while and then kind of shrink it down as we get closer to reti retirement? Like, do, do they have a handle on what you're trying to build? And if no is the answer, 
How could you possibly have an expectation they can make decisions in alignment with getting you there if they don't even know where there is? So another side benefit of identifying this is getting our employees some context and ability to make decisions that help us get to where we're going. So how do we do that? Well, again, here's what's worked for me and here's what's worked for the people I serve when we go through this exercise. Uh, and again, you can alter this. I'm sure you will. I'm sure this, there's, and, and, you know, we have limited time here. I, mean, I can't go into every single detail and every single nuance, but, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to get the gist of it though, I hope. So the first thing we have to do is we have to define what we want our life to look like. And this is perhaps for the hardest part for, for probably 70% of people. This is not horrendous. It's not terrible. About 30% of people, though, this is really difficult. And trying to figure out, like, what do I want my life to look like in 10 years or seven years or at retirement or in 15 years? Um, this is going to be one of those in, uh, questions in my, my someday book um, called Answering These Questions Will Solve Most of Your Problems in Business or Answering These Questions Will Make Your Life Easier or whatever that's going to be titled. This is one of those questions, and it may be the first one. What do you want your life to look like? So when I, uh, when I, um, when I do this, there's two approaches to it. There's, there's, um, I want my life to be, uh, looking like this by a certain date, meaning by, you know, 10 years from now, I want to have X, Y, Z. I want to have all this stuff done by this date. The second version is I want my life to start to look like this starting on this date. Now they're very similar. The very, it's a very minor nuance there but it is subtly different. And the difference is usually here. Um, people who want, to, who want to achieve things by a certain date usually, not always, usually are not driven by material things like cars and houses in Hawaii, you know, their, their, their cabin in the woods, whatever. They're usually driven by security and stability. And they have goals like, I want to have X dollars in my retirement account, or I want to have five times, 10 times, three times, 42 times, whatever the number is, uh, my annual earnings in savings. I want to have no debt or maybe no debt except my house. Those are the kinds of goals that people would have, generally speaking, if they want to have this by date goal time frame. People who have the starting on date, it's oftentimes easier for these folks to identify what they want their life to look like. And oftentimes it's clearly defined by hobbies, activities, investments, or assets. They have goals like, I want to have that cabin on the lake, or I want to have that second residence, or I want to have the $18 million house on the beach in Maui, or I want to have, you know, enough money to put my kids through college or whatever. It's, it's, they have, um, loftier. Sometimes it seems like they're loftier goals. Although I would argue that having 10 times or 15 times or whatever your number is of your annual salary in a savings account, that's a multi-million dollar goal for a lot of folks, just like having a house on the lake or, you know, a second residence or something like that. So oftentimes the dollar amounts are not that drastically different. It's just the driver, what, what compels people to make these goals. So do I want stuff or do I want safety and security? That's kind of where, kind of where it comes down to in, in many cases, not always. So in this example, we're going to use the second one just because the math will be faster and easier. It's, it's very, very similar though. The only difference is in the first one, you're going to say, I want to accomplish this by this date, 15 years from now, whatever. And you're saying, here's the math. Like I've got this amount of time. I've got to acquire this amount of dollars or whatever it is, usually dollars. And I have this much time to do it. And I break it down. 
you know, how many years do I have to do that? Well, that's X amount of dollars a year. If it's a million dollars I want to have and I got 10 years, that's a hundred grand a year. I got to put away towards that. So, but in this example, we're going to do the starting on date because sometimes in this example, um, we will have mortgages. We'll have payments for your $400,000 yacht or whatever it is you want to buy, your big boat, whatever it is you want to buy. So in this example, and in either case, we got to kind of figure out what's it going to cost to get there. So in the starting by date, let's say we say in 10 years from now, on January 1st, let's say 2032, I want to be making $300,000 a year because it's going to take that much money for me to pay my mortgage or mortgages, have the car payment for the car I want, um, have the the payment for the second property or retire the, you know, the cabin or what, whatever it is, the boat, whatever. Okay. It's going to cost $300,000 a year. That's the number we have to get to, to start this entire process. Either I've got 10 years to get there and I'm going to take $300,000 a year to get there in 10 years, or starting on this date, I need to be making $300,000 a year to pay for the stuff I want at that time. So in this example, again, we're going to use $300,000 a year as is the income the business owner needs to fund the lifestyle they want. Next thing we have to figure out is what's my company's bottom line profit percentage. Now you can choose a number that you trust that is historically accurate and good for your industry and good for your company that you could rely on. Maybe it's 12%, maybe it's 17%, maybe it's 8%, whatever. You know that you can count on this number. If you don't have that number, then just use a flat 10%. That's going to get you close. All right. And in this case today, we're going to use that 10% number because frankly, the math is going to be easier and I'm doing this on the fly. So I don't want to be doing with, with 12s instead of 10s. So that's a big part of the reason we're doing 10% here. But also for many companies, 10% is a pretty solid number, plus or minus a few percent. It's going to get you in the ballpark. So how much revenue will it take to produce $300,000 a year in profit? Well, at a 10% bottom line profit, you would need $3 million a year in revenue. So the next thing we need to know is how much the average revenue producing employee will produce in annual revenue. In this example, we're going to say it's $250,000. Let's say it's a a home service provider company of some sort, carpet cleaning, plumbing, whatever, something like that, where you go to somebody's house and you fix stuff. And the average employee in the field brings in $250,000 per year in revenue. Now, I'm not saying it's, that's a good number for those two industries. I'm just saying that these are examples. So in order to hit that $3 million a year in revenue, we would need 12 people in the field, 12 technicians, 12 service providers, whatever you call your, your people. We'd need 12. 12 times 250,000 is 3 million. So that's the foundation for the company. So if we want to envision what we want our company to look like, 12 is where we start. So then we start asking questions like, well, if I have 12 people out in the field, how many supervisors do I need? Do I, can I have one supervisor manage that many people or do I need two? Okay, well, if I have two, what's that look like? How many people in the office do I need? Am I going to have a, uh, a dispatch department that's also the CSR and also the accounting? Or once I hit 12, do I need to kind of split that up somehow? Maybe I have CSR and dispatch in one and accounting in another. Or maybe, you know, I need to have three. Whatever. You know your company. You know your specifics. You know your industry. You know it's going to work there. But having the foundational number, the, the revenue-producing people, begins, that gives you the foundation. That's the ground floor. How many trainees do I need based on my normal attrition to keep 12? If I, if I you know, if I'm going to lose two, if I have 12, that means I'm going to lose two every year. That means I need to have a training program in place that's going to produce two every year to, to maintain that same level. So you can start mapping out these different areas. Like, 
how many managers do I need? Do I need an office manager in a, in a field manager or can one operations manager run the whole thing? You can start mapping out what this is going to look like once you know how many revenue producing technicians you have in place. So hopefully that's clear. Hopefully I've, I've not stumbled up on the math here and I haven't misspoke on anything so far, but once we get the number of revenue producing technicians, you can start, you can start visualizing how many managers you need, how many supervisors you need, how many people in dispatch or, or the office, whatever your office roles are, you can start identifying. Once I have that 12, I can kind of start picturing what the rest of the company is going to look like. Now, here's the thing. You probably won't get to take every single penny in profit. So there's other things to factor in. Okay. And again, we're not going to have time to get it. We're, we're already only got a few minutes left here. So we're, we're short on time. So we're not going to have time to get into all this stuff. But let's just take taxes. Taxes is going to be the big one. Depending on how your estimated taxes are paid, and how much you pay in your W-2 income versus how much you pay out of your distributions, things like that, you might need to take your $300,000 in profit to fund the lifestyle you want. And let's say you, you need to factor in a 30% tax burden on top of that. Well, you would divide that number by 70% to account for the 30% tax burden. And if you were using, again, we're using the $300,000 as a baseline number, for our example here, you divide that by 70%, you end up with 428000 Okay. And that would give you enough to pay a 30% tax burden and end up with your $300,000 you need to fund your lifestyle that you want. So to get to 428,000 at a 10% margin, bottom line margin, that means you need to produce $4.28 million every year in revenue. And that would be 17 techs if we had $250,000 per tech to get to 4.28 million. And you're going to have your 428,000. Let's say all you did is pay taxes and you took every other penny home. That would get you your $300,000 to fund that lifestyle you've defined. So again, as you get further along in your business journey, you're no doubt going to have a more sophisticated formula. The whole point of this is just to kind of give you a sense, just a, a, a fairly specific, it's going to be altered over time. It's going to be enhanced. It's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to change it up a little bit as you go, but this will be able to give you the, the ability to kind of foresee, like, what do I need? What does the company have to look like to fund what I want? So I can have my personal goals and my company goals all in alignment, and that will make your life a lot easier. I promise you. So real quick before you move on, I just want to tell you about my uh, website. It's been updated and it's now way more user-friendly than it was. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Go check it out, www.serviceindustrysuccess.com. So check that out if you haven't had a chance in a while. It's awesome. I really like the way it looks now. Way more user-friendly. So back to our, our um, topic today. The first thing we have to do is define what we want our life to look like. None of this is going to work if we don't have that. And again, this is maybe the hardest part. We can do this by a certain date. I need to accumulate X amount of dollars or starting on a certain date. I need to be earning a certain amount of dollars. The, it's virtually the same either way. There's just a slight nuance in how you would do the math, but you, you can do it. It's not, it's not complicated. It's just um, a little variation there. And you have to be able to identify how much money you need to identify the lifestyle you want. So you have to be fairly specific on what you want. You know, and you say, I want a second house. Well, okay, what kind of house? Do you want a house out in the woods? What's that going to cost? Do you want a house on the beach in Maui? That's a different price than, a, than your general house on a lake in Idaho. <laughs> so we have to have some kind of specificity in what we're looking for in that lifestyle. So we, the, the, the more generic you are, the more difficult this is going to be. The more generic you are, the easier it is for you to get past that first step. It makes the next seven steps really, really hard. So fight the urgency or the tendency to be generic on that. Get very specific on what you want your life to look like. And again, let's say you need $300,000. Well, 
You can use your company's bottom line profit number that you trust, that you know historically is accurate for your company and your industry, or you should use a flat 10%, which again, we're using our example today. To generate $300,000 in profit on a 10% bottom line number, you need to produce $3 million in revenue. And if your average revenue producing employee has annual revenue $250,000, you need 12 techs to equal that $3 million. Now, if you're taking taxes into account, you take that $300,000, let's say you had a 30% tax burden, which you would have to figure out the math with your CPA and figure out what you're paying with your W-2. And like you, you, you'll get more sophisticated with this over time. If you took that 30, um, 30% tax burden you, and you need to bring home $300,000, you take the 30, uh, 300000 divided by 70%, you'll end up with the 428000 which means you need $4.28 in revenue, which is roughly 17 techs. And then you can start figuring out, here's what my company is going to look like. So I hope that's helpful. If you have questions, you can uh, reach out and I'll answer them the best I can, as quickly as I can. This is a formula that's been working for me in helping folks, again, just get that first step idea of what they need their company to look like to fi- to fund the lifestyle at one. There's no point in going through all this if you're going to end up with a lifestyle that you're not happy with. If we're going to go through all this anxiety and stress and work, let's achieve what we want in life. Let's let's go get it. So let's identify what those things are and go get them. So don't forget to check out the new Service Industry Success website today. I'm really happy with it. Super user-friendly. Also, uh, tell a, co- a friend or colleague in a Facebook group you belong to, for example, who's a business owner in the service industry. Tell them about this podcast. Tell them about the exercise you just went through today and how it maybe helped you figure out what you're trying to build when you when you uh, look out 10 years in the future for your company. And of course, as always, I'm going to ask pretty please with sugar on top. Give us a rating review. That means you, whoever's listening right now. If you have not done that, please, pretty please with sugar on top. Take uh, 35, 40 seconds and just give us a rating review. I really appreciate that. So that's it for this week. And I will see you all next week.